Coming up next, the Spookening finishes its week-long Scarathon with the, probably the best thing that we did. Algernon, Algernon Blackwoods, the Willows. Algernon. Algernon. Did I say Algernon? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to the Spookening. It's just me, Nathan, your humble and obedient host. I know all week I've been telling you I'm a humble and obedient ghost. You thought I died and was just a disembodied, incorporeal spirit taking control of your microphone. That's what you thought. Ghost but in I, the machine. The ghost in the machine, as it were. But folks, that's not what I am. I'm your humble and obedient host, just a dude here celebrating Halloween with a couple of his good friends. You got Brandon, well, we've called him Brandon Chast Fiend, but he's not really a fiend. He's a great guy. Hey. Everybody loves him. Hey. Children get on his lap. They wish for things. He travels around the world in a sleigh. (laughs) (laughs) He's Brandon Chastine. Hey. Turn on that Christmas music. (laughs) Oh, ho, ho. Day after Halloween. Merry Christmas. We're just sitting here eating our Reese's pumpkins. Mm -hmm. Those things are good. They're all right. I find that a traditional Reese, I think, actually has the best Balance ratio of chocolate. of chocolate and peanut butter. But you can't no, be, I mean, the eggs. Easter. The Ooh, eggs. Jake actually speaks correctly. The good point. Good. The eggs are great. Better than the pumpkins, I'd say. Yeah, those are the eggs are the superior form yeah. of Reese's. But no. Reese's in general peanut are just great. Yeah, yeah, it's so, one of the best yeah, candies. Sure. I think that goes without saying. Peanut butter and chocolate, what can you do? We should introduce our third person, though. And folks. Who's that? I have a confession to make about him, too. Oh, no. He's Jacob Menskiller, <laughs> the pastor's of master of bleeding. Oh, no. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> no, 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 folks. He's not the master of bleeding. He's the master of feeding on flesh, as we decided. <laughs> Rotten yesterday. and moist flesh. Rotten flesh. Uh, it's like one of those, uh, what's the thing that makes tingles on the back of your spine? You know, that uh, where like ladies on YouTube talking and like, hey, I'm going to rub this hairbrush now. ASMR. ASMR. It's like one of those ASMR things. Flesh, flesh, flesh. <laughs> Moist. Oh, <my> <laughs> Don't do that to the, the bleeder, oh, Brandon. Um, he's not really a bleeder. He's Jake Mensel. He likes to read, and he's a master of it. He has a bleeding heart. And he has a bleeding heart. <laughs> we should get him to a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got a heart as big as a house. He's a great guy. He doesn't just travel around at Christmas and give people presents. No. But he might hop into their house and leave some eggs and candy. <laughs> he's, he's Jacob Metzl. <laughs> oh, uh, guys, Nathan it's, it's, might flap around with his little wings and a diaper shooting his arrow. Do I flap around with my little yeah. wings and a diaper shooting yeah. an arrow? Yeah. All the live long day. All, all, all the, the live, live long, long day. day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going a little stir crazy. But you know, the last couple of days I've been wanting to like, I've been waiting for you to call me the pastor's a master. And then you changed it. You were going to call me the pastor is a master of bleeding. And you asked me how I was doing. I was going to say bloody masterful, but then it, it never happened, and now I'm Jake. I'm really so sorry. Disappointed, and you never set me up for that. On Nathan, top of that, I don't know how you're doing. Which you are is a failure, Nathan. Bloody you know masterful. Thanks for asking. <laughs> 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 hey, 
now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey, hey now, you're a rock star. Get your game on, get played. And all that glitters is gold. Takes a shooting star to break the mold. Oh my goodness. Oh. Y'all should at least know the lyrics if you're going to try it's it. A Can you do it? cool place. I, I can't totally do the whole stupid song, but I'm not singing for you. Did you see that awesome? There was this girl on Twitter. She's some sort of like news celebrity. Ah, yes. Yeah. The girl on ah, Twitter. The news celebrity. Yeah, no, but like, like, she's a journalist. Girl. That's the word yes. for it. Yes, uh-huh. news celebrity. But she would have at the opening to each of her tweets a different word of that song for like months and months until finally she said, somebody go back and look at the first word of each of my tweets. And it was, hey, now you're an all-star. And it was the whole song. It was really funny. Wow. Uh, Does she realize special. she's going to die one day? <laughs> Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. <laughs> that would have been, yeah. Um, people have done that. Rick Rolled. Yeah. yeah. No, I love those people new stars though. Pa- papers. People are peepers? I said, people have written papers. Oh, I thought you said people essays. are peepers. <laughs> That would have made a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, people aren't peepers, but eyes <laughs> are peepers. And speaking of eyes, I'm eager to hear. Frogs are peepers. Spring, springtime, we get spring peepers. Never will it be spring. Nevermore. <laughs> I'm leaving all this Never in. Nevermore. <laughs> this, this is the fifth episode for this week. I think people can give us a little leeway to have a little fun, right? Gonna be great. It's going to be great. Give me a minute, Nathan. What? You still trying to transition us from eyes or? <laughs> you just got to listen. I'm listening. Up, up. Listen. <laughs> I was trying to do it. The last sentences that I just said, I'm never going to give you up. Oh, you're Rickrolling yeah, me? I was, I was Rickrolling you, Nathan. <laughs> you saucy dog. <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> I've been Rickrolled. <laughs> that's, that's a wrap. You saucy yeah, yes. dog? What the heck is that? You saucy dog? Friend of the saucy you, dog. Where did you read that one? From? I don't know. You've been reading too much H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> Unhappy is he who's a saucy dog. <laughs> oh, it's a polished saucy, glass. A saucy, a saucy dog trapped in a chamber with brown hangings <laughs> with brown and hangings. antique. Yeah, that's like the worst. You do not want to be a saucy dog trapped, trapped in a brown hanging chamber. <laughs> With antique books, that didn't sound so bad. Yeah, it really didn't. I mean, he read enough to speak English. Yeah, he knew how to read. Somebody taught him how to read. Yeah. Or did they? Or did they? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Scary. (laughs) Guys, let's not make fun of illiteracy. It really is one of the scariest things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we're taking a stance on this. this turned into a PSA for For, for a good example of this. Go check out the one-star reviews of the (laughs) booketing. Oh. Shots fired. <laughs> We're sorry. If, if you're an idiot, you can listen to us too. We are okay with you that. You might get smarter. You might get smarter. I restrained myself. If you can understand our words. If you can understand our words. Yeah. Dummies. Yeah. No, we're sorry. <laughs> Dummies and idiots, welcome. And saucy dogs like Brandon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> saucy dog. What the heck? Brandon just saucy, saucy dog. Saucy dog. <laughs> <laughs> That should be our next t-shirt. <laughs> saucy, saucy dog. dog. <laughs> you saucy dog, you. <laughs> it's a term of affection, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, when someone's like a lovable really? rascal. <laughs> you say, yeah. you saucy dog. Oh, you saucy dog. <laughs> <laughs>
Apparently, it's a barbecue joint in Jonesville, wherever that is. There we go. Jonesville, Michigan. Jonesville, Michigan. We could go dog. there. I think I've been there. You've been to the Saucy Dog? I think I have. Were there a bunch of Saucy Dogs in there? Just... Wait, hang on a second. I really think I have been there. Hang on. I'm, I'm looking this up. In Michigan. I really think I've been there. You know there. where I've been in Michigan? Where? Giz- Gizzard? <laughs> Gizzard City. <laughs> I have definitely not <laughs> been <laughs> to the Saucy Dog. I apologize to anybody who got really excited and and, and said, I, hey, I know the Saucy Dog and that's Jake, cool. It's like my own. I hate to break it to you. Old. Exactly one person got excited about the idea. <laughs> no, listen. The saucy dog. No, listen. Jonesville or whatever. Have you, been, have you been to Jonesville? Tons of fans. No, I, I doubt it. Where is it? Way up north in Michigan? It's between Battle Creek and Ann Arbor, but south. Driving distance. Five hours. Let's go. Let's go. Saucy dog. <laughs> Anybody who wants to meet us up there. We should see if the saucy dog wants to uh, support the booketing. Yeah. Could, we, could, we would advertise the saucy dog. People do it on Facebook, Instagram. Get out there. I wonder what's the name of Hashtag the... saucy dog. Hashtag saucy dog. The restaurant that I... The stray dog is what I was thinking. You went to the stray dog. I've heard of the stray dog. I would not call anybody a stray dog. No. Maybe a literal canine that was lost. I would call you a stray like dog. A stray dog. Yeah, yeah. That, then that would be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be an accurate moniker for said canine. <laughs> All right, this guys. Be best episode ever. <laughs> this is a good episode. All what are we right. talking about? We're talking about old another saucy dog. The saucy dog of weird fiction, Algernon yeah. Blackwood. Yeah. Saucy dog. Four and a half stars, 675 reviews. Ooh. Yeah, Jake, it says it's the number one of six restaurants in Jonesville. There's only six. No, yeah, it's the number one of 10 restaurants. Is it a hot dog joint? Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, it's it a barbecue. Like... No, it's a Chinese place, Brandon. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I don't it's... know why that made me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's barbecue. Yeah, it's like barbecue. Uh, it looks saucy like... dogs barbecue, but it looks like they do have quite a hot hot dogs and bratwurst mm-hmm. seem to be heavily featured on the menu. Mm-hmm. From what it's I worth can it. tell, Let's go. there's a picture of a hot dog covered in sauce here. <laughs> you but you also have some like just standard barbecue, standard fair barbecue yeah. things. I mean, that's what everybody thinks of with their hot dog is sauce all over it. Now here's a review. This one says, "Oh my, Texas burrito was awesome." Baked potato was good, but I got a glance of the nachos on my way out, and the nice gentleman let me take a picture. Oh, me. I am going back for nachos. (laughs) (laughs) Can you find a picture of these nachos? Uh, Yeah, he did take a picture of the nachos. Let's see. Oh, that looks like some good nachos right there. Well, you can, yeah, but, I'll drive five hours for those nachos. I would say oh me to these nachos. Oh, brother. You guys want to talk about Algernon Blackwood now, or you want to like, keep talking about- This is the about... only story we wanted to talk about. But it like... is. <laughs> we been, yeah, we could have <laughs> filled some time in those other episodes. But you know, This one-star review is about as sophisticated as our one-star reviews. Let's hear it. I was so sad. I'd been wanting to get here for a long time and was really excited about it, the atmosphere- was ah. pretty cool, but everything else horrible. I wouldn't go back if you paid me. It took them over 10 minutes to even get our drink order and was frustrating because you could see all the waitress staff sitting up by the kitchen area talking and looking right at us while we were staring at them, waiting to be served. Then after she finally got our drinks, it was time for a refill. 
We had to wave someone down who wasn't even our waitress for the refill once we finally got the food. It was nasty. My wife burger was black and <laughs> my wife burger. <laughs> my wife burger was black and dry. My, my... Wretched is he whose wife burger is black and dry. <laughs> Sounds like a... <laughs> my brisket was cold and tasted like someone threw, as in walk through the door, threw up on it. <laughs> I took one bite and left the rest. She never checked on us once I have to try for 10 minutes more to even get the check. And then she came over to the table, looked right at my full meal, just sitting there and doesn't even have the decency to ask if it was okay or anything. Wow. I will never return. What a waste of 30 bucks. <laughs> I like the image of the wait staff just standing around the soda machines, <laughs> staring at you while they have a conversation. <laughs> That's amazing. The most passive aggressive restaurant ever. <laughs> no wonder. Those, those saucy so dogs. Have yeah. a, a scary short story about yeah. the. Yes. <laughs> Well, that is the scariest thing. Don't like being lied service. to and not even asked for my ID when I wanted a drink. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. One star. This is his next one star review. Don't like being lied to and not even asked for my ID when I wanted a drink. You're complaining about not being asked for your ID when you wanted a drink. Two. <laughs> and also being lied to. <laughs> I want to know more about the lie. <laughs> 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 this review is entitled Two Stars. Better hope the bathroom isn't occupied. <laughs> uh, um, uh, we should have a show. Just, <laughs> we just read. <laughs> we just read restaurant reviews. It was hot, and the flies were attacking us the entire time we were trying Yikes. to eat. And before we even finished eating, we were both, and that's capital, running to the bathroom! Exclamation point. <laughs> the wife ended up sick and throwing up as soon as they got home. Wow. I like this one. This is a one-star review. Thin, dry, burnt burgers, server nerve. <laughs> Thin, dry, burnt burgers. Thin, dry, burnt burgers, server never asked us if we wanted... It's like almost like it's poetry. Mm -hmm. Thin, dry, burnt burgers, server never asked us if we wanted a remake or something else. Very disappointed that they didn't offer pulled chicken barbecue either. I almost think you could say that to the... Uh, it's the end of the world by... <laughs> Thin, dry, dry, burn, burger. <laughs> Speaking of what doesn't get one star mm -hmm. in my book... Yeah. This story. Yeah. You guys ready to talk about this story now? I think so. Okay. Let's talk about Algernon Blackwood. As I was saying earlier, the saucy dog of literature, Algernon Blackwood, lived from 1869 to 1951. Born 10 years after Edgar Allan Poe died. A lot of people see him as kind of a linchpin in between Poe and the more modern era of the weird tale. But I don't think that's really true. Because I don't really think Algernon Blackwood was building on what Poe did. Poe did, like, dark psychological stuff, and Algernon Blackwood couldn't be less interested in that kind of stuff. Let's talk about this Blackwood, though, fella. Like I said, he was born 10 years after Poe. His father was a post office administrator <laughs> and was very strictly religious. And old Algernon Blackwood was not a fan of being the son of a strictly religious fella. One day he discovered Buddhism and got into it and never looked back. I think unlike anybody else that we've really read, or at least much more to a much higher degree than anyone we've read this week for our, our, our Scarathon, 
He was a true believer, actually, in a lot of this stuff. He was into like, uh, how do you say it? Rosicrucianism. He was a member of the Ghost Club, which is the oldest paranormal research society in the world, founded Mm. in merry old London. He was a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which is a secret occult society that's been around since the 19th century. He was into... Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. That was, was that theosophy? All that kind of stuff. Metaphysical, paranormal, occultic, ritual, magic stuff. So Blackwood is into that kind of stuff and believed in it. He was also, as you might imagine from reading the story, really into nature. Mm -hmm. Avid outdoorsman, famous skier, hiker. I would not be, I did not look this up, but I would not be surprised if he had been down the Danube and been in that region. Certainly reads like he has, or at least he'd done his homework on it. To back up though, he became a prolific writer of short stories, novelist, and plays. Wrote a lot of plays for children. Those aren't, those don't really still exist. They were performed, but not republished. So he was just a prolific writer. He wrote a ton of stuff. A lot of it is supernatural or weird fiction, but it's not the kind of weird fiction. Like I said, and this is pretty much all I'll say about him. He's not really in the lineage of Poe because A, he was a true believer in the supernatural and Eastern philosophy and all that kind of weird stuff. B, he kind of liked it, right? Like he was always trying to, he, he really was striving more for a feeling of awe than anything else in a lot of his stories. He wanted you to be in touch with the beyond and to feel horror. Yes. I mean, he wrote some stuff that was scary. And I think The Willows is eh, pretty spooky. Yeah. Um, I was actually spooked out reading it last night, which doesn't usually happen to me. But he really wanted to, as much as scare you, he wanted to evoke that feeling of awe of the other, of these metaphysical realities that are beyond us. And he was really good at it. It was kind of a new thing. I mean, Lovecraft keyed off of this, not so much in The Outsider, but in the in most of his work, he he keyed off of it. And you can see how, you know, Edgar Allan Poe is is really in the tradition of, well, he invented the tradition of psychological horror. He looked inside. And then a lot of people did things that were outside, but they were still inside. They were based in some kind of psychology. Like a vampire makes us think about lust. It makes us think about the ways that we prey on each on each other. Zombie movies are always about how, you know, the real monster is man and what happens when society crumbles. A lot of horror is about us and the evil that lurks inside. Blackwood generally couldn't care less about that. He wants to get at this sense of the other, of what's across the veil, of the things that are kind of creeping through the, the tears in the fabric of reality. And he's really good at it. And The Willows is a really famous story, his most famous story, his masterpiece, and the best example. If, if people want another one, The Wendigo is his other story that's, oh, that's him. stood the test of time. Huh. Well, there's probably more than one thing called The Wendigo. Cause, I've heard of The Wendigo. Yeah, yeah. it's a, similar to this, you know, guys go into the woods and there's this creature and there's lore about it and vague a vague interest perhaps is that he was single is a little bit like hh monroe he was single his whole life and i didn't look up whether he was homosexual it certainly wouldn't surprise me i'm guessing there's speculation about it because (laughs) he was just this weird dude that was into writing and exploring strange esoteric philosophies and gnostic oh yeah wisdom i know what the hermetic order of the golden dawn is what Alistair Crowley was a part of Alistair that. Alistair Crowley, that's right. That's Famous 
and Mystic. yeah, they were into perverted stuff. Cultists. The nice thing about Blackwood is that he came in an era where you couldn't just smother people with all the nastiness. Like you, you literally couldn't put it in a story if you wanted to get it published. So he had to be restrained in the way that he portrayed this stuff. And I think it helps. It makes his stories more effective and also keeps out a lot of gross stuff that yeah. I'm sure would leak into this kind of. Could have helped Tennessee Williams out. Yeah, sure. yeah, we'll talk about that uh, next week, I guess. So, The Willows. Let's talk about The Willows. What do you guys think about The Willows? I thought as a, a, a horror story, it was very effective. It wasn't over the top. It, it, it works a lot through the weird setting and the mystery of everything. What Like what we saw with some of the more successful horror stories we've read. The... I guess ambiguity is the way to put it, mm-hmm. of what's actually happening, whether it's psychological or whether it's actual real supernatural activity with heavy leaning towards, yes, it's actually supernatural, but you still don't know. And that's where the horror comes in is, is it madness or is it real? Yeah. Some of the most ambiguous touches were the creepiest to me, like that otter yeah. that is either an otter or a dead or body a corpse, or, a corpse, or a log yeah. or something else. Yeah. yeah. That was actually the part that spooked me out reading it mm-hmm. last night. You know, with only one lamp in my bedroom on, it was just creepy to contemplate that. What do you think of the story, Jake? I had that experience of, oh, this this is that story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I know this story. I remember this story. <clears throat> this story is in the back of my mind and lives there. Is evoked by other scenes and other stories or other scenes and other things, but I can't quite put my finger on where I read it or what it was. It's like it was like a the discovery of something that I knew had made a real impression on me Mm -hmm. as a kid whenever it was that I read it. I have no idea when I remembered it. It came back real quick and it was just like that. I was like, oh, this is that story. That story that lives in the back of my mind and plays into different things, different thoughts, different. For me, it's actually if I go canoeing or if I'm walking along a certain kind of riverbank, the story will pop into my mind. Yeah, or even, yeah, I I just think about this story connected with any, with lots of things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I could never remember what the story was or where I'd read it or kind of put my finger on on it. So it was really, once I just opened to the first page of it, I even may have suspected it was it by the title, but I didn't quite know. And then as I started reading it, I was just like, oh, yes, this is that story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then I got really excited about reading it. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it again enjoyed coming back to it after who knows how long it could be anywhere from 15 to 25 years ago Mm -hmm. for all i know the last time i read it it was just cool and fun to go back and reread it and remember it and find it to be just as great compelling and effective i I don't think i got spooked by it i don't think i would have if i'd read it during the day i just I read everything at night before bed, often by a single lamp. I just wasn't, I did also read, I didn't read it in one sitting. I wasn't able to because I was, I think I was just too tired. It's a long story. Yeah, it's like 40 pages or something. Yeah. Yeah, and this is pretty fine print too. Mm-hmm. So I think I had to split it into two sittings. Maybe, was, maybe even more for all I remember. I read it today at the library mm-hmm. and I wasn't spooked. Well, I wasn't scared by it, but it gave me an eerie feeling for mm-hmm. sure. And there's, it's not, it's not a complex story. And you see some of his weird occultism come yeah. through with the 
Like this is an area where it touches on some other dimension. The fabric the of the yeah. dimension is worn yeah. thin or something. And then the weird amber figures that are rising into the sky. Mm. So there's some strangeness to it. That, but I don't. I never felt yeah. like it broke. Well, he leaves it just vague enough. Yes. Yeah. Like he, the guy is speculating a lot about what he is, what it is that's happening, but you don't actually know whether he's right or not. You just. I think that I felt more ambiguity about it the first time mm-hmm. I read it than this time. What I remembered coming to it was the river is the thing. Right. And maybe we're getting at the the gods, the nymphs, the dryads that, mm-hmm. you know, populated these old stories. That's more the impression that I came, that I still, that lingered in my mind. This time it was like, uh, he actually is thinking about something a little different than that. Yeah, he, the author clearly had. By the way, this is a good, this is a good answer to the Bacchanal and... Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. If you yeah. actually if you actually ran into Greek gods, this is a lot more what it would feel like. Yeah, that's right. Then they would want to murder you. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, or demand a sacrifice of some sort. Mm, yeah. So that would be Edmund floating in the water. Yeah, it's Edmund floating <laughs> in the water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what is it that makes this story effective? We've talked basically now for four days about stories that we did not think were very effective at all. Besides Shredney Vashtar, which was kind of just doing its own thing and was fun, but <sighs> Poe didn't scare us or work for us or feel effective. Lovecraft just seemed silly. And what was the other one? Young Goodman Brown, we could argue about whether it was good or not, but none of us were, you know, swept away by the the tale telling. Of- well, I mean, like what worked in the red, the mask of the red death was mm-hmm. still the setting, that eerie, weird setting. Yeah. Which is what works well in a horror story. And I think we talked about how it worked well in that story as well. Right. Well, I wonder how many times I can say the word well. <laughs> and well, here it's, well, well. Yeah, well, well, well. Well, 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 well. well. Mm-hmm. And it's similar here. You have this weird unknown place that is kind of like places you've seen before and yet not because mm-hmm. it's islands that are falling apart. It's It almost has this dream world quality to it. Yep. And that's what worked well with the castle, mm-hmm. with the walls in the rooms and the colors. And then you had the willows, which are always a, a tree that's associated with either sadness or despair or something. The willows are strange trees. Mm-hmm. And so it's this w- world that has almost a semblance of beauty to it, but also sinisterness so that it can throw you off guard at first. They're rolling on the sand together and having a good time with their canoe. Mm-hmm. And then everything starts to go badly. Yeah. yeah. But what's great about it is you never really know for sure what it is. Good horror even today still borrows... Successful horror still borrows from the same tropes. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, this kept reminding me of the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that too. So yeah. That it's, there's something there. You think there's something there, but you're not quite sure what's going on. It starts out as a joke. You're warned not to go do the thing. You think no big deal. We'll figure it out. It'll be all right. You start to get in over your head. Things start to get a little eerie. Mm. And that ominous feeling just kind of keeps growing as you start to realize that Maybe you're not alone. Maybe there is some kind of malevolent force or power out to get you. And you want yeah. to tell yourself that's ridiculous, that of course yeah, there's and, not. And and it's really sympathetic to have these characters that are going to be in denial about it, afraid to acknowledge the reality of it because of what might happen if you do. And you've been in that place. Every little kid in a hallway, when they need to go to the bathroom at you know two in the morning Mm -hmm. has had that feeling of what if 
But if I let myself think the thing, or if I don't like, right? Yeah, you know, you work yourself up into all kinds of horror, right? And you don't even have to be a kid to do it. Let's be honest; you can, you can happen. Yeah, it. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because this story made me think about what it actually made me think about. Strangely enough, was Stranger Danger, which for me was a big thing as a kid, and there was actually a lot of gay panic stuff happening in my conservative Christian community when I was just, you know, five or six years old. And so you'd hear about people that would snatch you and you would hear about people that would put needles in telephone booths so that you'd, when you went to get your change, you'd prick yourself and get a disease. There was this feeling of just sick, like there's this malevolent thing out there. You know, that was how I understood it as a kid was just like, huh. there's this creepy other out there you know it's not we're not talking about human beings here i'm sorry gay community um <laughs> but we're, we're not talking about anything that's understandable anything that's rational anything that makes sense anything that's rooted in anything that i would sympathize with or understand we're just talking about something that is malevolent and is other and is out to get me if i if i cross the wrong threshold if i get lost at the mall if i don't keep up with my parents you know just that is <clears throat> that weird feeling of there being some malice lurking out there. The story evokes really effectively. I guess the other thing I'd say about it is in terms of how it differentiates itself in a good way from the other stories we read, the three, the other three that we didn't like, particularly Lovecraft and Poe really always feel like they're striving for effect. Whereas the story just begins very calmly yeah. and naturally and naturalistically. It feels much more effortless. It just feels like it's, a, you know, this could be the beginning of a New Yorker article about what it's like to go down the Danube. The Danube. Danube. Yeah. It really could. And the horror kind of sneaks up on, on the story and the author allows it to, you know, part of the craft is to make it seem like, well, I didn't mean for it to be scary. That's just what. They didn't mean for it to be scary when they went out on their journey either. Yeah. Right. It's just what happened. It sneaks up on you the way it sneaks up on them. Which is much more relatable and therefore scary than somebody like Lovecraft being like, I was in a dank, unhappy is he who's in the scariest place in the world. <laughs> you know. And wretched are the souls that find themselves in this very oddly specific circumstance. <laughs> right. With lots of antique books. And Poe's like, everyone was dying of scariness. And so <laughs> Mr. Scary went into his scary palace. <laughs> where scary things happened until a scary monster made everyone die in scary poses. You know? It's just like, if everything's scary, nothing's scary. Whereas this story, it's more, real, it's more rooted in the kinds of ways that fear actually does sneak up on you. Oh, I could get lost, you know, my childhood fear. I could get lost at, in a very prosaic place with my parents, the mall, the library, whatever, and suddenly it's a scary place. Oh, I can be wandering in the woods, get off the path, I can be lost. Well, yeah, and that's the thing about scary. this story is it just starts with there is a real imminent physical danger. If the, if the river floods, mm -hmm. it can end up all over the place and then it might recede and then you might be left high and dry somewhere. Right. And... The more it floods, the more dangerous these little places where you're going to try to camp mm -hmm. are going to get. So if you don't get swept away and drowned, you might end up stranded out in the middle of nowhere with no idea of which direction or how to get to a place where you can get back to the river or get back to civilization. Mm -hmm. That's just the real threat. And they th they think that's kind of exhilarating and cool and exciting. Even. Yeah. And they're willing to risk it and figure it out. And so then as it happens, it starts to freak them out a little bit. but 
you know, they have a good sense of humor about it, but then the supernatural starts to creep in and there's this whole other element that right. gets added to it. Or is it is it added to it so much as this was always the danger that was hanging over you and you... You were being blithe about it. You're, the, that's yeah. the thing is it feels like karma. It's like, yeah. oh, we think we can just <laughs> go into desolate places and own them because that's who we are. But and, you don't know what's there. But you don't How know what's there. How dare you? Yeah. You're, you, yeah. You've, you've, you've trespassed. Yeah. And you didn't even have the wherewithal to realize you were trespassing, but you have no business being there. Uh, the thing we've read that act- this actually reminded me the most of is the very effective opening passage of Dracula. Dracula's yeah, I wondered if you would say that. Easy, easy yeah. to make fun of after a certain point, but the opening part where Jonathan Hayekar, it's pretty, it's kind of similar, actually. He goes into Transylvania. He's just there on a business trip. The tension starts building. He gets to the castle. There's this weird old man, but it's not, he's not so off put that he's going to go screaming right then. And then these crazy things start to happen. The difference with Dracula is that you finally have to just be like, and there was a vampire and he was gorged with blood and he had sexy bright. You have to suddenly show the monster and here you don't, here you don't, which is really much more effective to leave it to your imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't really know what was going on and what these creatures were. And it's much more scary that way. No, I mean, I think that it's it's a good culmination of this week. Yeah. Well, because it does well what we've one of these other stories to do. Right. Here's the other thing that I think makes it effective, and that's that it is real. Mm-hmm. The horror that it's, the the thing that it's tapping into, it's scary, I think, exactly because it is real. The best, for me, the, the horror stories that get under my skin are the ones that make me actually confront the fact that we really do live in a supernatural mm-hmm. world. And we just like to blithely go about our day pretending like we that everything is all material mm-hmm. and that the immaterial doesn't exist, that there are no such things as angels and demons and a God in heaven mm-hmm. and a devil that's real and that we don't have souls and there aren't spiritual realities and there aren't beloved powers out to, to get us. And mm-hmm. it's like uh, our boy C.S. Lewis yep. likes to say, you know, the greatest trick, the devil I don't know if that was Lewis or not. Ever played was convincing the world that he didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. isn't that Lewis? And like, I think that's the ending to. Uh, oh, that stupid movie with Kevin Spacey, Kaiser Soze. Yes, but I think C.S. Lewis did say that uh, too. Yeah, I think it might be. So a quote. Screw Tape did talk yes, about. That's uh, right, Screw Tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah screw Tape didn't. That quote's not Screw Tape, but it's something. I think it's in an introduction. But, but, but definitely, Lewis is in Screw Tape is playing with the idea of hey, be careful, and if you can keep him unaware of you and of spiritual things that's the best that's for the best the minute that you make yourself too overt is the minute that you'll freak him out and he'll turn to the enemy right well that's a great point what i actually thought you were gonna say also is it just reminds you that this story as one of you was pointing out earlier this it, it barely needs the supernatural right because these guys already trespassed in a dangerous place in the world have and some respect for nature. A place that could kill them. You know, this could right. be an into the wild type story. Yeah. And it adds the supernatural and does it effectively, but it's only really giving an extra nudge to something that's already creepy and terrifying to contemplate, which is the idea that you can wander off the beaten path into the wrong place and you can you can get yourself killed and you can still do that. I don't know if you guys have ever had the experience of getting lost in the woods, like in, Indi- in Indiana, but I've done it. 
It's yeah. pretty terrifying the fact that you can actually just get lost in the woods and <laughs> not be able to find your way out. And you have an idea that if you just keep walking north or, you know, you choose a direction, you keep walking, eventually you'll find something and probably you will. But then you read stories about people who in doubt. North America who die, who get lost in. Yep. Experienced hikers and campers mm -hmm. who are out and for whatever reason, there's a storm or they wander off the trail or they follow a false trail and then they. They just die. Yep. And then you think about, you just, I mean, I think it's something that good horror stories can do effectively and cathartically is just help us face our own mortality. You think about the other ways that you can just wander off the beaten path and get yourself killed, the ways that nature can trick you. You know, the fact that people die of cancer, even something as simple as that. The fact that just, just the simple idea that we, ha we think we have control of our lives. We think we have control over nature. We think we have everything in a row and that mm -hmm. nothing will ever happen to us. A story like this, I think very effectively plays on the fear that something might, you could just simply turn the wrong corner <laughs> or do the wrong thing, go the wrong place, and you could find yourself dead. It doesn't have to be that much more profound than that to be an effective story. There are more things in heaven and earth ratio than are dreamed of in your books. <sighs> Anything else to say about the willows? No. This is one of the stories. You know, I know an effective visual story when, or if an effective descriptive story when it makes me want to actually look up pictures of whatever the author's talking about. Did you mm -hmm. look it up? I did. Yeah, and it was interesting. Are there so there are pictures of it? Yeah, you can find pictures of the willows and on the the new. I mean, it's nothing all that spectacular to just see a photograph of, but. All right, guys, shall we do our final donor shout-outs yeah. Yeah. of this week of terror? Let's shout-out, or scream-out, I should say, Six-Pack Zach with a scream attack and Catherine with a knack for laying down the smack. Ah! Anthony, who is cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Oh! Which, by the way, Wretched is he who hates the pursuit of cheese. Jujitsu Je Jiu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. Ah! <laughs> that was sad. And of course, Rachel. Rachel. Thanks for your support, guys. If you'd like to have a donor shout out or scream out, go to patreon.com forward slash the booking. You can get it by supporting us for at least $10 a month and get other things for supporting us for at other levels. Support us for less. Still get cool stuff, but not get a donor shout out. Thank you for joining us for this terrifying week, folks. I hope your teeth are still in your teeth sockets. You haven't chattered them away. I hope you haven't, your hair hasn't turned white with fright. I hope that you'll have a very merry Thanksgiving season and Christmas season. And I hope you'll continue to listen to the booking as we discuss some wonderful plays. Well, not so wonderful plays, maybe. I don't know. We'll decide. But we're going to discuss some plays next week. And then we will discuss Midnight's Children, a novel that I encourage you to read. Or do I? I think I do. We'll see. Find out. And then War and Peace. You can read Midnight's Children if you have the discretion to skip certain things. Yeah. There you go. Die, everyone. Goodbye. Happy Halloween. Until Bye. next year. I mean, fear. So Midnight's Children is going to become our Thanksgiving I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.